0: You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers Goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Monday, November 27th. We are fresh off of a nice little break, uh, nice little Thanksgiving, nice little 49ers win. Joining me to talk all about it today on a Monday is Weston. How are you doing today, Weston? Did you enjoy the break?
0: I sure did. Um, happy Victory Monday, Steph. I hope you, yes. your family, everyone you care about, and it's close to you, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm just, I mean, I'm eager to talk about this evening because I'm. it was a weird game, a, a great game to watch, right? Don't get me wrong, a W, but I think they just had like ebbs and flows. And I'm just, I'm always curious as to who piqued your interest from a performance standpoint, and certainly from the listener's perspective as well.
1: Yeah, well, as always in a win, it's it's a lot easier to think about some players that stood out. And so I'm I'm looking forward to talking about that in a bit. But first, like, you know, we'll talk about the game as a whole uh, from Thursday. And you were mentioning ebbs and flows. So what do you what do you mean about the ebbs and flows? Did this game not really do it for you? Did you have some moments you were sweating a little bit?
0: Yeah, um, I definitely had moments where I was sweating. I'm just going to call it what it is. Mainly the third quarter of this game um, and and pre-kickoff, of course, because it's the Seahawks. I think on paper leading up to this week, everybody, I think the 49ers are a far superior team than the Seattle Seahawks on paper. But this is still your division rival Nobody wants to beat the 49ers more than Pete Carroll does. Like you just a Thursday night game, right? Holiday game, like so many things to mix in that you're worried about it. And I thought, hey, listen, fantastic start to the game. Could not have gone better going into the half up 24 to three. But then it all, it just feels like they hit these points in the game where they just stall. Like they just stall out and it wasn't the defense, right? I mean, yeah, the defense gave up 10 points, but like, you know, not really. Seven of them were off yeah. of a, a, yeah. a pick six. Right. So like they still balled and played well, but it's just like, this is what scares me about the go forward is because you have a good team. Seattle still a good football team and you have your foot on their throat, but you're afraid to push down. Right. Or you're not pushing down and choking them out and ending the game when the game should have been ended. And because of that, up until the, Purdy Dayou touchdown. Everybody was sweating a little bit. I don't care who you are. That game was not in the bag. It wasn't feeling like that. So for me, it was just like, like why'd you you got me out of that in the the doldrums of how I was feeling. You know, to start the game, you got me elated. Like why'd you drop me back in that bucket?
1: You know what I think it is though. I don't think any other game really feels like that as much as it does against the Seahawks. Yeah. Because in Seattle in particular because we know too well. Like all those games go. we have we have so much trauma from the years of Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson and all of those years that hey, we felt great going into a number of those games and yeah. and yet we we know what happened in in those games, right? So I think it's just that Worry is always going to be there when you're playing the Seahawks, especially in Seattle. And I hear you. I think there were there were moments in which the momentum seemed to shift. And I was thinking to myself, if this was any other stadium against like any other team, I don't think the momentum shift would have felt that great if it weren't the Seahawks in Seattle. Like just to totally continue making that point. Like I I, I think it's just because of that. I mean, it was the, the pick six that really turned the game on its head, or at least that's what it felt like in the moment. And then the 49ers punt like immediately after that. Then the Seahawks get a field goal and you're like, oh, like this could be close. But at the same time, there was no point in which I felt the Seahawks on offense could do anything yeah. to save their freaking lives. Like they could not. And and that has been the story of Geno Smith against this 49ers defense. So they, they haven't figured out to a T they have these receivers figured out to a T it seems like. And I, I feel great about that. Like, I I think that's what kept them hanging on, right? The 49ers oh. like that. That's what, so yeah, the, there were some worrisome moments there, but I don't think it's as bad as it felt. Or sorry, it felt a lot worse than it actually was for us.
0: For sure. And it's Russell Wilson PTSD, right? Like, let's call it what it is. And it's because I've watched a number of games over a period of years where the 49ers walking into the fourth quarter up two scores, feel like they got this game in the bag. And then Russell Wilson looks like he doesn't know how to play football for three quarters and then comes up and lights you up for three touchdowns and 200 yards in the fourth quarter, right? Like, we've seen that story play out. And I think my brain just fooled me and was like, wait a minute like expecting Russell Wilson to come out in the fourth quarter wearing a Seahawk uniform, you know what I mean? Versus like what was actually going on in the lifeless offense of the Seattle Seahawks under, you know, Geno Smith for the majority of this game.
1: Yeah, the, the Russell Wilson magic is it definitely still there as the Broncos are now <laughs> seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson isn't walking through that door for the Seahawks and it's Geno Smith and he is for sure – a downgrade especially this year right like yeah. it just seems like he some of what happened last year is kind of caught up with them on offense and even even on defense like they it was early in the game and i think it was bobby wagner giving the defense like a pep talk right like holy like we we cracked them <laughs> and yeah. early early in the game right so they they couldn't recover after that so i i I feel great about the win. I I think there were a couple of things that the team improved on uh, against the Seahawks that I had kind of been hoping they would. Uh, third down efficiency was one of the things that they did improve a little bit. I well, still would like to see that to improve. Uh, they were 5 of 11 on third downs against the Seahawks. And uh, don't ask me what percentage that is right now because I'm not good at math. But it is slightly better than it was the previous week and in the red zone especially is is where they improved they were 3 of 4 so and penalties only three penalties so yeah. and missed tackles i think like about less missed tackles are about the same as before so some things to feel good about some things that i think can carry they're building off of each game at this point to you know that that deep playoff run right so like every game is important you got to be able to stack your days stack your games And I feel like the 49ers since the bye week have been doing that.
0: Yep. Well, we've said all season long, this was the stretch, right? That was going to tell you what this team really is. And so far, so good, right? Coming out of the the bye week, you know, know, with three consecutive W's. You were mentioning the third down, I think, on our last show about you were referencing third down efficiency as it related to the offense. I was referencing third down efficiency as it was related to the defense and improvement in this game on that slate as well where there was you know they were three for 11 so good news is is the 49ers defense was listen the the defense was really good in this game just really really stout really like you said no missed, very few missed tackles they were very rarely out of position like the windows were not there like the even when they their receivers were making catches the vast majority of them were contested catches they had a db all over them like all three all three levels on the defense like Look really, really, really good. Um, but I'm taking into account like who they were looking good against versus hey, what does this Sunday bring? A- and you know, <laughs> what is round two? Because you know, I think one of the things that we can talk about all day was just how Tyler Lockett non-factor in this game, DK Metcalf non-factor in this game, and Tyler Lockett's the assassin, he's the killer, right? Like he's the guy who gets in the back of the end zone, somehow touches his two feet down. And you're like, what? Like, how did he even get there? in the first place and you no, know, all bodes. Well, building confidence, go forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know, say what you want about the Seahawks this season. Like, I think that was a a, a big win just to get that like Seahawks monkey off your back, at least just like the feeling, especially like on Thanksgiving day, because I don't know if it meant as much to the players who were playing this game, because none of them were there in 2014 and had to witness Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman eating Turkey on the 49ers field. But boy, this one felt good for that reason alone. I think for 49er fans, like I needed to be like avenged. Is that the right word? Avenged? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I needed to be avenged. And this is, it made it that much sweeter. You know, I could enjoy uh, the family time uh, and you sure as hell. I, I stayed up late to watch, you know, the, the 49ers on the Seahawks field. Dinky table, very small yeah. table. Like if, if you look at uh, the screen grab of Sherman and Russell Wilson, they had a big, you know, regular size table for, yeah. for the big Turkey too. I mean, they had sitting a little,
0: down like, to eat,
1: yeah, they had like one of those little cocktail tables. Yeah, I know. and what I but what I did like about the 49ers, like they brought out at, like all everyone. the main dudes, <laughs>
0: everyone. I, no, I
1: loved that because yeah. like I was kind of wondering, like, oh, I wonder what two players you know they would have there. Um, but I like the fact that they brought in all those guys because all those guys contributed to the win in their own way and I I truly feel like the 49ers are like that kind of team that's like no there isn't one guy that's like greater than the other like it's it's truly like a team sport and they wouldn't have shocked me if one of the players said hey like can we can we actually bring more guys on yeah. to to do this and and they're like yeah sure
0: yeah. so i want to know who controls the production of it because the- To your point, 2014, I feel like we rolled out the red carpet at our stadium for whoever won that game, right? And this felt like standing room only, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it was just like bootleg, but I didn't care. I did not care. I care, I care in hindsight. In the moment, I was like, I cannot wait to watch this turkey be consumed on that football field. That is all I cared about at that moment in time.
1: Well, Weston, let's let's yeah, not bury the lead any longer. I mean, let's let's talk about some of the guys from that Week Twelve game against the Seahawks who made the win what it was like. Who had one of the best performances of the day on Thursday? Um, I'm gonna let you go first. You know, um, as I most often do. So, who do you have? Who do you want to nominate?
0: I, I'm coming out of the gate with Charvarius Ward, uh, Mooney Ward. I mean, just one heck of a performance against listen there's there are moments where i think mooney ward is overhyped right due to contract and certain things like and there are times where just like he to me looks a little lost in coverage from time to time right like but this game in the magnitude of it for from a fan's perspective right and long-term fans like like he he took dk metcalf out of this game so he had I would say two near interceptions, three passes to PBUs. He was targeted mm-hmm. 10 times, gave up four catches for, like, I don't even know, 40-something yards, maybe like that. But when he was when he was truly following DK around the field, what was it, one catch, 15 yards catch, 14 for, you know, a premier wide receiver in the National Football League? Like, that's what a number one corner is supposed to do and what expectations are of Mooney Ward, especially, like, you know, when when we tout that the defensive, you know, defensive backfield is the weak link on this defense, right? They 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 did not look like that at all, and I'm lumping them all in. Um, but for right now, we're talking about Mooney Ward. But by like, in my opinion, that was his best. That was his best game as a San Francisco 49er that I have seen.
1: I I think so too. And he's had he's had a number of good games, in particular, like against the Seahawks, against DK, which is why I think. You know Kyle, and I, I believe he said Kyle and John wanted him. Like they, they brought up the idea of him following Metcalf around, uh, and I think that's why, right? Like they saw what he was able to do in past performances against him, and thought to themselves, "Man, like let's try to have that for an entire game. Like just follow him around." And it definitely worked because you saw how many times like Geno Smith early in the game that yep. tried to target at him, and. It, it it suddenly felt like a bad idea. Like <laughs> after like two very close uh picks early in the game, I think you know Gino thought to himself, "Yeah, let me not throw it, in his coverage." I was actually surprised to see that PFF said he was targeted ten times. Like I don't even, I, I don't you know, recall like, when those targets. I, I, like yeah, that, that doesn't yeah. Uh, that doesn't strike me as being true. But who knows? Maybe um maybe I'm missing something. By the way, I I did put out a video of all of Trivarius Ward's snaps against DK Metcalf on my channel. Cut up the all twenty two, uh, so you guys could see his performance after this live. Of course, don't leave us just yet. Yeah, of uh, but it is on my channel, and it is a, a very impressive performance indeed, and one that I do hope carries on into you know maybe maybe the next game too, in in the game after that, right? So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from Mooney Ward, but I also love what I'm seeing from the other corner, Ambry Thomas. And who would have thought that we would be saying his name and nominating him for 49k player of the week in in week twelve? Ambry Thomas. Like who who would have who would have predicted that? I, I would have thought you were crazy if you told me that, like, you know, some some weeks ago. Uh I didn't want I, I didn't want anything to do with Ambry Thomas. Out on the field. I'll be honest, I'm gonna eat my words. I'm happy to do it. Ambry Thomas, I owe you an apology. I wasn't familiar with your game because he has been putting (laughs) on a clinic these last few weeks. All right, he was targeted four times, allowed two catches for just 16 yards. He had the interception, a pass breakup. He allowed just a 20.8 passer rating in his coverage on Thursday. I think that was. Ambry Thomas's best game in the NFL period, <laughs> like since he's yeah. joined the leagues and it's been a Niner, you know all of it, um, and I I want to see more. He's definitely stepped up, um, and again, I want to see more this week against the Eagles if he could do that. And I'm I'm not nominating him. I don't know if you will, Weston. So I don't want to spoil anything. But I just want to say an honorable mention from me no. uh, to Diamantor Lenore as well because. His flexibility and his ability to just pretty much seamlessly start playing at the nickel spot has been what has allowed, I think, the defense to look just a little bit better because you're not having Isaiah Oliver out there. Um, And so credit to Lenore, but my nominee is Ambry Thomas.
0: So you are nominating him?
1: Ambry Thomas, yeah. I am. Yeah,
0: oh, okay. Who was, who was your it. honorable mention then? Demo, is that what you were saying was honorable yeah, mention? Yeah, Lenore. Okay. I'm going to
1: give him a mention,
0: yeah. Yeah, Amory Thomas is on this list for me because what you just what we were just talking about with our various word and following him around, following your number one, that only works if your other your other corner is solid as well. Otherwise, it's you true. have to split the field. You take this half, I take this half and we scheme accordingly, right? Like who needs more help, who needs support? But you start having your number one follow their number one, you're going to see a lot more man, right? You're going to see zone underneath, but he's going to be running with him. But it only works if the other corner is capable as well. And for the last two weeks, Ambry Thomas has looked very capable. Um, what I loved about was like his interception. It just like he, had a, he battled for it, like on the sideline. And he's only in that spot because of good coverage. It's not a, you know, a deflected pass that just falls in his lap or a complete. Yeah. Missed cue by the quarterback like he had to go get that football and he was able to go get it because he was you know what, what do they do he was straps
1: yeah. <laughs> on
0: it at that moment in time i wanted to slap the announcers and like i don't think lockett has been targeted yet in the first half i was like oh contraire he certainly was just every <laughs> thomas is out here picking people off you know what i mean mugging them oh but um no i love it i, I love that we're starting this out with your two corners right we talked about again okay. weak link on the defense and here we go singing praises About these individuals, I I could not. Ambry Thomas was on my list too. So if you weren't saying it, he was getting mentioned later.
1: Who you want to nominate now?
0: I'm I'm just fired up. I'm staying on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going Javon Hargrave. Um, I just he again three pressures, a hurry, one and a half sacks. Got it. This is not about the stat column for me. This is the eye test and just collapsing Mm -hmm. that pocket. And if he can continue to like, like the production we saw from Arik Armstead out of the Tampa Bay game, obviously not statistically the same production, but the same result in the sense of like, you were taking away the step up ability of that quarterback and you are forcing him to step outside to find a comfort zone to release the ball. And Oh, by the way, number 97 is just hanging out out there. Number 92 is just hanging out on the other side. Like, having this type of production from Hargrave and from Armstead, if that that is a repeatable model, go forward for them. These ends are going to eat all day and it's going to be a quarterback nightmare because Gino doesn't like lack mobility. Right. And we always get knocked for how we play against quarterbacks that have an, even an inkling of mobility and the ability to step up. Well, stepping up, and And taking off like for ten yards when nobody's in that get, becomes really hard when it's not really stepping up, it's stepping out to then step up and you're stepping in front of people. so this this could be a a piece of the cure against how we fare against more mobile quarterbacks if they continue to produce. So again, one and a half sacks, still nothing to sneeze at from your defensive tackle, right? I'd call that production. The other stats might not look as good, but can't help but watch the film and say, holy God, like he was wreaking havoc on the interior of that yeah. offensive line throughout the game.
1: And this is exactly the type of impact that we were expecting from Javon Hargrave from the beginning of the season, right? Like yeah. it just, along with the rest of the defensive line, it, it was just kind of lull, you know, in the first half of the season. And then after the bye week, after, you know, young gets added to the mix, I mean, he's – he's proven himself to be everything that the 49ers paid him to be right. And, and what sure. we all expected him to be. So I, I think it's great. It, it's great to see. I, I hope it continues, right? Like he has a big test uh, this week against uh, Jason Kelsey. So that should be a hell of a battle. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it though. I mean, he, he's been wreaking havoc for sure these last few weeks and it has, Helped a ton as is Eric Armstead, right? Like not a nom, not one of my nominees, but like just an honorable mention for him as well. So Jalen Hargrave wasn't on my list, but I'm, I'm I'm glad you mentioned him because he did have a a great game uh, on Thursday. Look, I am going to – I'm like, should I just go one more defensive player? You should. We're on
0: this side of the ball. We'll get to the other
1: side. Yeah, let's – we might as well. All right, Nick Bosa. I mean, he had a crazy game. We are just talking about how Javon Hargrave helps the edges out. Definitely helping out Nick Bosa as is. you know, other counterpart, Chase Young, uh, has benefited from it too, and they're benefiting off of each other. Nine pressures. PFF credit him credited him with three sacks maybe because pff doesn't credit half sacks so yeah. there was a few sacks where it seemed like the entire defensive line collectively <laughs> got to geno who was on the bottom time. of the pile
0: got the half yeah, exactly sack, right? who who will,
1: <laughs> who will ever know um yeah. but espn had him with two sacks whether well, it's two sacks or three it was a hell of a game from nick bosa he also had two quarterback hits four hurries again this is just the type of performance we've come to know and expect from Nick Bosa, right? And I feel like it's all starting to come together for him and and the rest of the defensive line too. So he was a big part of bringing that pressure to Geno Smith, making him a little uneasy. So got to give credit to my guy, uh, Nick Bosa. And staying on his diet, even in the the face of uh, the Thanksgiving holidays, even in the face of uh, a turkey in front of him, he stayed true to his diet, no carbs, only meat.
0: No, no no carbs which, after which game turkey,
1: turkey is a meat so i was a little confused by that yeah. but whatever nick we'll,
0: we'll let <laughs> it's your world bro we just live in it you know what i mean <laughs> like oh uh, that comment was priceless and yes 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 and yes to everything you're saying about nick like he's you know the year didn't start so well in the finish column for him right like getting home and we know all about leading the nfl and pressures etc and we talked tirelessly about like okay at this point pressures don't even matter anymore like you got to get home like you got to change the game you got to disrupt the game and he is and he's doing it in bunches and he's and when he's not getting home gosh darn he's getting really close where he's affecting more and more plays and you know hopefully this is nick getting hot this year at the right time of the season you know as needed for the for the 49ers to to get right so yeah i mean so it's not the first time we've mentioned Nick. It won't be the last time we mentioned him in these conversations, but he had a stellar, stellar game with a stellar perf- cameo at the Turkey eating fest <laughs> <laughs> at Lumen field. Love it. I'm you ready sure. to go to the other side of the ball now?
1: Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that let me just, let me just make sure, you know, I like to have a, a litany of names. All right. I want to go with Debo. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. Statistically, like, not his best game, but for me, his, like, most diverse game of, of the year. And what I mean by that, seven catches, 79 yards. Yeah, you only have 15 yards rushing, but he found the end zone um, for the first mm-hmm. score of the yeah. game. And we're just, we haven't seen that version of Debo in a little while, if, if you're kind of following here, right? It's like he's either the highest paid decoy in the NFL, which is great, right? That's part of the allure is you have to account for him, et cetera or like but that that amount of touches right so he's 11 touches right seven catches four carries like that's the that's the number 10 plus that i think you need to see how many times 19 needs to touch the ball in all different scenarios cuz he's a tone setter he's physical yeah. right like he's he's going to take defensive backs wills when he wants to go when he's running in the open field. And we keep talking about the stretch of this schedule and the back half and getting to the playoffs. Like that's going to matter. That's going to dictate who like I know Ayuk's doing all the flashy stuff and he's coming into his own, but that's not truly 49er brand football the way that this team is won. Like yes, you still want him to do it, but Debo having a significant impact is going to be really crucial to the 49ers' success go forward, and this is the first game in a while that I've seen, like, the best of both worlds. Involved in the passing game, certainly significant and impactful in the running game, and, you know, that's the 2021 Debo, right? Like, that's the 2020, you know, that's the Debo that got paid oodles of money, and you can argue single-handedly carried us to an NFC championship game. That's the guy that I think we were starting to see some glimpses of this past week.
1: Yeah, and like I actually was thinking about this uh before we we went live here because I was uh live with uh, Ashley Ariana and we talked about Debo and I was thinking to myself, you know, this is maybe one of the first times in a while, that I don't feel like the 49ers have been relying on yards after the catch. Yeah, like they've they've kind of opened up this down more down the field attack with Brandon Ayuk sprinkle a little bit of, uh, you know, George Kittle, but, you know, Purdy's gotten more comfortable throwing the ball a little more down the field and they don't need to necessarily rely on Debo Samuels yards after the catch ability. I think in 2022, he finished the season with a little over 500 yards after the catch, um, which is crazy. I think right now he's, he's nowhere near sniffing that. Right. So it, it just, it shows a bit of a, flip in how the offense is being played, how Debo is being used. And, you know, I know he was hurt for a few, um, a few games and, but it is, it's still nice to have that in their back pocket because I I agree. I think in the second half of the season, it's when you really want to bring out the bully ball and you really want to punch teams in the mouth. And I think the type of tone setter that Debo is, that, that's how you do it, right? Yeah. So it, it's nice to see a little bit more of that. You know, he still has involvement in, in the rushing here and there. That's how he scored his touchdown. Um, but, you know, I I think they're not as much using it as they have in the past. And I kind of like that because, yeah. again, like it's always there. You just never know when they're going to use it or when they feel like they could. It's just that extra totally. little, little oomph that they can yeah. – have out
0: there if they want. And you're right. 2021 was out of pure necessity. Like they had no other choice yeah. but to, to work came because it was working and nobody can stop it. Even when they knew it was coming, it was like a different life force he took on. And they don't have to, but you mentioned a couple of things like Brock getting more comfortable with the deep ball. Uh, us clearly now throwing the ball outside the numbers, where for so long everything was over the middle of the field, and so you you stretch yeah. a little by little by little by little but guess where all that open space is soon going to be. Mm. It's going to be in the middle of the football field. And you're going to start dragging 19 across and you're going to give him the ball with five, with, you know, ahead of steam with five or six yards separation. That's the Debo. I can't wait to see that version of 19. Cause we know
1: what that and looks like. I think we'll like. see it. Yeah. I think we'll see it because there's going to be a game where that's going to match up perfect, like, they're not going to be expecting it. Like, Nope. You have it in your back pocket. It could it could happen as soon as you know this game against the Eagles coming up, right? So yeah. we'll see. But definitely Debo Samuels like that secret weapon, that secret Swiss Army knife knife that's not so much a secret, but you just never know. Like last year it was kind of predictable because yeah. of what they had done in uh you know 2021. Now it's not as predictable. And now it's just this extra thing, this bonus thing they can do whenever they want. So,
0: and you don't know where it's like, is it a jet sweep? Is he in the backfield? Is it a bubble screen? Like, you have no idea because there's not a lot of tape on it in 2023. So, you you love it. Bodes well because you're going to keep them guessing.
1: But also, part of the reason that teams don't really know you know, who's going to get the ball. What is it going to be is because of my next nominee, yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Um, we've, we've done a great job. At, Perfect like, segue. The, the next so. <laughs> one. I, you know, I like this. Maybe we should do that more often, you know? Um, Okay. So Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries 114 yards, two tutties. I think it was his most efficient day running the ball since week one. Yep. Uh, he had six yards per carry on thursday he accounted for eight first downs he also had five catches 27 yards um that's the second week in a row he's had exactly five catches and 27 yards i thought that was funny uh 69 (laughs) yards after contact in his rushes his highest total since week two uh so i think christian mccaffrey is coming back to form too because i think during the losses maybe even a game after that people were like What's happening with McCaffrey? Like he's not as efficient as as he was before to start the season, and it's because that darn Cal Shanahan is running him to the ground. Um, and and you see what he does, and you kind of wonder why he gets as many carries as he does. He there's no one like Christian McCaffrey. He's he's literally like a cyborg man. He was getting screwed. His, his screws came a little loose. They had to you know, you know tighten them up on this. Line, he's a robot, all right. That's that's Christian McCaffrey. So definitely have to give him his props. It seems like he's also getting into some real nice rhythm, you know, in in the second half of this season here. So I hope it keeps up because they'll definitely need that in December and beyond. Uh,
0: absolutely. Um, like you can't dispute this any which way. I mean, he had a phenomenal game, um, got in the end zone twice. I think one of my favorites was the video like after the game i don't know if it was the next day or like later that night just with like the blood and the bruises oh, like, dude man is yeah. like a tough guy you know <laughs> like my god he was dude. Up. dude like and he just keeps coming back right i mean that listen that's part of the part of the game but certainly part of the position for sure and i know we criticize what i loved about this game you talked about efficiency is it didn't seem like a struggle right like is yeah. like he was just getting the yards you know like we we've, we've seen them have you know 100 plus yard games 90 plus yard rushing games but it just like had to work for it every every carry was just like difficult and it was all him getting the extra two or three yards falling forward it just felt like his body although the videos would say otherwise like watching it didn't feel like he took as big of a beating um as you've seen him in, in some games and we already know he goes this offense is going to go with it like we know that we And this is what we want to see. This is what we didn't see in the three consecutive losses was back to the running game. Um, And it's really hard to pull him off the field because he's your best running back. He's arguably could be your top two wide receiver on this team. And he might be the most efficient pass blocker on the team as well. Like how do you, you can't justifiably, in a league where you have to go week to week, you can't even be looking at the Super Bowl. That's what fans do, right? That's not what teams do. They go week to week because anything can change on a dime. How do you take literally your best offensive player off the field? Like, it's a really hard proposition. So good news is he gets a nice little 10-day rest uh, before he's yeah. got to lace them up again.
1: And he's uh, he's now, you know, starting a new streak of consecutive games with a touchdown, right? He's starting back from zero. So now he's at two games. But, you know, what was notable about the game on Thursday is he became the 49ers single season rushing touchdown leader. He yeah. has 11 rushing touchdowns on the season. So that's pretty crazy to think because the 49ers have had some great running backs in their time and in his second season with the team, like he's able to accomplish that. So I
0: mean, Jarek McKinnon, I can't believe he didn't get over. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: No, but it it is crazy to think in like how many games are left. Right. And this guy's already sniffing 1400 all purpose yards. You know what I mean? And like, again, the game, the season is still very much underway. Like he is just a true impact player.
1: All right, Weston, I have one more nominee. And yeah, do it. I have no – I am. Uh, are you done?
0: I'm done. I'm wow. done. We checked I'm every – I don't even have a curveball for you.
1: Wow. Well, you know what? You might think this next one's a curveball. I can't wait. You I know actually, I get excited for you. I, I was actually surprised you didn't take it before I did because, like, you, you're uh, always you know where you're going. Special, you're, Yeah, you're no always <laughs> in the special teams, you know, realm, giving love to those guys. I got to give love to Mitch Wisnowski. Sure do. Who who would have thought? I you know, I you know, we'd be giving love to Mitch Rusnowski, but I, I definitely think he deserved it um after what I thought was a great game on Thursday. And he's having a great season too. But I feel like this was one of the first games where you're kind of able to quantify it a little bit because one of his crazy punts is what led to was it on a punt? The the one that DJ Dallas um yeah. fumbled. Yeah, it was yeah, a punt. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that one, when they showed the replay and they showed that thing like spinning like crazy, I was like, wow, like this is what this dude's doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it makes it tough for, for any returner to kind of figure out what to do with that. Um, a little bit of like DJ Dallas being a little silly there. Like <laughs> he stayed on the ground a little, yeah, little too long, about. but yeah. But I mean, credit to, to Mitch on that one. And I know it's, we're nominating him for week 12, not for the full season, but I did want to mention this stat just because I was a little mind blown by it. 30.6% of his punts have fallen inside the opponent's 10 yard line. It's awesome. 13.9% have fallen inside the five. So both of those lead the league. Um, And that's crazy. He's also, I didn't know they did EPA for, for punters but he's apparently the second best punter in epa per punt i guess um (laughs) so yeah
0: fantastic (laughs) yeah right
1: like this is you know analytics tell us mitch wishnowski is a good punter so i just wanted to nominate him this week because it did not go unnoticed
0: listen we've We've been kind of talking about this all year, like sometimes jokingly, sometimes not. I mean, he's had a stellar season. You mentioned the percentages, right? 53% are in of his punt. So he's punt the ball 36 times this year. 19 of them have gone inside the 20 yard line. So inside the 10, inside the five, that's bonuses, right? You're putting your, your, um, you know, the opposing team's offense in no man's land. But inside the 20 is better than where it starts with a touch, a touchback right? So you're already doing your job there and and making the field longer for the offense. It's just, I don't even like, that's got to be, I don't even know how to search punter stats, like (laughs) but like 53% inside the 20 of your punts, that has to lead the league. Like it just has to,
1: Um,
0: you know, not this week, but it was was it last week where he gave up the big return? Was that against Tampa? Yes. Yeah. When he gave up the big return, but what I love about it is not only is he a punter, the, this man is aggressive. Was like, that
1: on him, though? Was no, that no, on no.
0: him? Well, he aired it out, you know what I mean? Like, and they always talk about hang time and all that stuff, whatever. But but the moral of that story is like, did you see him try? No, it didn't end well, but he's always trying to make a tackle, <laughs> he's always trying to get in on the play. So, like, not only is this man doing his job, like he he's he's just trying to stick his nose in in the pile, too. And uh, and I like that about him. <laughs> but it was three, you know, we talked about inside the 20. Yeah. There's another three that he did. Um Last week. Now, one of them led to, uh, you know, I just.
1: We're I talking know. about week 12, Weston, right? He did good in week 12.
0: He did. He's I gotta... great. I listen. I, for week. I'm happy he's our punter. He wasn't
1: nominated last week. Right? <laughs> no,
0: no, no. Week 12, he maybe, is here.
1: Maybe for a reason. All right. So this. week 12, we have our candidates for 49K player of the week. Mooney Ward. Ambry Thomas, Javon Hargrave, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Mitch Wischnowski. So do us a favor, and if you're watching live with us, make sure you vote for one of these players, um, and we will tally those up and, and tell you shortly who is the 49K Player of the Week for Week 12. In the meantime, Weston and I—well, actually, Weston, before, before I go into players I want to put on notice, Yep, I did have a couple more honorable mentions. Yeah, and I it kind of goes along with uh, special teams. Daryl okay. Luder Jr. and Ronnie okay. Bell, two rookies, making some nice plays in special teams, making their presence felt. All right, Ronnie Bell was the guy who came through after the fumble, and he was on the scooped it up. Right, yep. he scooped it up yeah and then he had another play, i believe where he he downed it um that was one of the other really good punts from wish wishnowski um where he downed it and it was great field position obviously for the 49ers' defense um and then uh daryl Luter had a had a couple of nice plays too
0: yeah I I, yeah and you are recalling accurately, i think what I'm so <laughs> pumped about was just seeing looter and like even womack on the back of jerseys right because you just haven't seen like yeah. we've seen none of looter nice, right? yet we've seen some promising play um from from womack you know a little bit last year i think for me what makes it so important that you mentioned like the relevance on special teams is with the loss of george odom right that's a big yeah. special team loss like he's oh, yeah. your forget the safety depth like he's arguably your best special teams player right now and you you know you lose him to the the torn bicep so you know these young guys that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna play onto the field um and you hope that they that they keep doing it especially looter and womack um that 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 was nice to see your your draft pick like playing right one that we had so many you know so many high hopes on and uh let's let's see who steps up in you know Odom's absence and keeps it going but yeah absolutely honorable mention to those two young cats absolutely
1: and I think it's also like really awesome to see because we know for good reason like they're not getting their moments you know on the field on on defense on on offense right for ronnie bell um and special teams is kind of their chance to to make their mark any way they can, and they are doing a lot with that opportunity so yeah just just wanted to credit those guys and yeah with the loss of george odom that's a big one for the special teams and so guys like that are gonna have to step up so looking forward to seeing what they can do um, in upcoming weeks um but on that note did you have any players that you wanted to put on notice weston
0: well we're just talking week 12 right yeah we're just talking week 12. Um, I'm going to go with the guards. I'm going to go with Aaron Banks and John Feliciano. I just need more from you both out of the run game. That's it. Right? It, it can't just be run left, run off Trent. Like, it can't. Good teams, one that we're facing this week, they're going to take that away from you. Right? Defensive guys get played, too. Just like to see, especially i think we've lost some effectiveness you know how they run that toss that's really actually like not off tackle it's like off guard right the and you know um but they run it as a toss versus a straight handoff Mm. like you need to for that play to work like you need solid and stable blocking from from your guards because most of the time one of them is pulling right so they need to make contact with somebody (laughs) and and rub them but it's But we've been saying it all year. I mean, Banks has been a pleasant surprise. I know he's just returning from injury, so I don't want to, like, kill him in his first action back after a little bit of an extended absence. But we knew this was going to be the Achilles Achilles heel, right, is the interior of the offensive line, and it's still showing itself a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would even go as far as saying, you know, the pass blocking could be better from those guys, too. I mean, Aaron Banks, you said it. I mean, his first game you know, back from injury. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He he gave up two pressures, um, two hurries. He also had a penalty for Feliciano, who I I guess like I had some high hopes for Feliciano, just because I think we were all kind of hoping he would be a lot better than Spencer Burford. Um, given what you know Kyle Shanahan said about him that oh like they were thinking of having him at right guard anyway before Aaron Banks got hurt. So I thought, okay, so he's probably going to look better than Spencer Burford, but he gave up four pressures and four hurries um, on on Thursday, and he had a penalty of his own. So not great. Look, like if the 49ers decide to do the same thing at right guard they did last year, which was rotating the right guard, which is unheard of. Mm. Um, did I, a whole I season.
0: Would... I can't believe it.
1: Yeah, I would welcome it if you can get the most, the best out of both guys, right? Like, yep. it seemed like that is what happened last year. Maybe they can get some of that this year. I don't know. But it seems like Spencer Burford is was practicing today. Today is like their bonus practice day, but he was on the field. Um, so that would seem to indicate he's, you know, going to progress through this week and have a chance to be active on Sunday, whether or not that means he's going to be starting. I don't know. But like I said, going forward, they're going to have the option of John Feliciano and Spencer Burford uh, at the right guard spot. But that's a good one. You know, for me, maybe I should have just segued into it. Like after we were just talking about the plethora of special teams, uh, but I got to go with Ray Ray McLeod for a guy that I'm going to put on notice, man. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, at some point I kind of feel like it's just me and I'm just, I expect so much out of like our return guys and I just eventually sour on guys. Right. Yeah. Cause they're just like in my head, they're not doing enough. And I, but I looked at some of the stats and like these last two weeks have been horrendous for Ray Ray McLeod aside from the the fumble that he had, because he did have a fumble. um, Who, who recovered that by the way, was that Ronnie Bell that recovered that? Who recovered Probably.
0: that? Let's see. My, so um,
1: that's another reason yeah, that I, I wanted to give the honorable mention to Ronnie Bell. because uh, I think he, he did recover that. But anyway, so Ray Ray McLeod looking at punt returns, his he had uh so last week against Tampa Bay, he had one return that just got two yards, two yards, and then this week, or sorry, yeah, Thursday against the Seahawks, he had three returns, 10 total yards. That is three point three yards per punt return attempt. Um, not great, man. Like no. the, these last two games have just been like so forgettable. His his worst games of the season, and I don't know why that is. He just seems like just the right amount of hesitant that <laughs> like yeah. he, he just can't move forward and and get some good yardage. So I think we haven't really noticed it because. It's not one of those things you always notice is gonna impact the game. And you know, the 49ers have won their last two, but man, that that does make a difference in like field position and all of sure. that. So I really hope that McLeod has some better days ahead.
0: I think he will. Um, it's it's funny because if you're if you're talking about your return guy, it's usually never like a good thing, right? Like, is that the shining star of what's going on? That's probably not great. If talking about him negatively, it's definitely not great. And I agree. It's been lackluster. I, th- I think my expectations of any returner, because the 49ers haven't, in my opinion, haven't had a good one since they had Ted Ginn line up back there, at least somebody who was like a home yeah. run threat. Um, and Ray Ray is that like he's a home run threat. We've seen him do it before. Uh, it's just it's my expectation he of a returner done. is like, don't give away the game, yeah. don't be and I hate to say this because I, I love the the player, but don't be Kyle Williams. You know, like you just can't find yourself in that same conversation. Don't be DJ Dallas last week, right? Like, and and lose the fumble. Those are backbreakers, right? And now yeah. we're at the point of the season where that, if that is the one mistake that's made in the game, it could cost you the game. Um, so I don't need him to return it to the house. I just need him I to do. not all the football. I, listen, <laughs> if he does, it's great, but he just we can't hurt, give the right? football back to the other team when your yeah. defense just got their, you know their offense off the field
1: yeah i'm with you i mean obviously a touchdown would be a yeah, bonus a but yeah. don't <laughs> yeah. just don't screw it up
0: the yeah. legend formerly known as richie james is that the last return td we, we've had
1: yeah did he have one
0: he definitely had one i remember that
1: okay yeah then yeah that would a... that would have been the last one
0: that's that be, that's poor that's real poor.
1: It's very poor. So, like, yeah, the 49ers are in this, like, I don't know. If we can get someone as, like, dynamic as Ted Ginn, that'd be great. I was really hoping Ray Room would be that, but I don't know. It, it's like, it's not the end-all be-all for McLeod. I'm just putting them on notice. Yeah, of know,
0: course. So. Well, being on Steph's notice. Because he'll watch He's
1: going to watch this, clearly. So Come
0: on. Number three, know. step it up.
1: he doesn't he doesn't want to be on my bad list so anyway (laughs) um guys continue to vote in the comments for these players listed up on the screen um if you haven't yet weston do you have a a vote for this week
0: christian mccaffrey
1: okay all right so i'll i'll give a moment for people to uh give their their last bit of uh you know comments here if we get any more um but Weston, what do you think about this uh, matchup on Sunday? It didn't seem like you're feeling all too hot about this one um, going into it.
0: I'm just going to call it what it is, and I'll get crucified because I'm going to end up talking about it all week. I'm just not optimistic. like, And that's not me soured on my own football team because I think the San Francisco 49ers are top of the top of the league in terms of who they are and who they trot out every week. But I've been saying it all week. Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in football. And you can sit here and tell me all you want that, well, they got weaknesses and they can be exposed and they can be taken advantage of. Yeah. So can every NFL team. That's why nobody finishes the season undefeated. Right. Somebody found a weakness. Something didn't go right. The ball didn't bounce in the right direction. Things happen. But the truth is, and we've seen it firsthand, two weeks in a row, Kansas city game. And then against Buffalo, like a team down 10 at half against that caliber of an opponent, every excuse to lay down and die and just move on to the next and get out of there injury-free, and they just still somehow, some way, find a way to win that game. I don't believe that if the 49ers are behind 10 points to that level of an opponent, they, I don't think they come back in the same vein that the Philadelphia Eagles do. That's just not the way the team's built. And, and point to the evidence that says we are, because it, it doesn't exist. Um, do I think the 49ers have a shot? You're damn right. I do. Right. I'm just not like, this is the toughest test. This is, this is the toughest test of the season. You knew it since the schedule was released. And now it, all the excuses are out the window. Of, we only lost in the NFC championship because we lost our quarterback and yada, yada, yada. Like all that's gone. Here we are, you know, a 10 and one club, you know, versus an eight and three club rolling in. Um if you want the one seed, you have to go do your job or you might as yep. well like or that that hope is gone. You know, I'm just yep. I'm not I believe our team is capable. I believe um, we match up well in some capacity. My biggest fear is I do think their defensive line is going to eat our offensive line alive. But that's so- just and that's going to change the game. That's a game wrecker.
1: It could be. It, it very well could be. The one thing that the 49ers have an advantage of going into it is is the fact that the 49ers have three days extra rest for whatever Absolutely. that's worth. And the Eagles' defense just played 92 snaps. Um,
0: and a lot the week before.
1: And a lot the week before. So they are dragging in into this game. Now, whether or not that makes a difference in the actual outcome of the game and on the field... That's yet to be seen, right? Like they could still put on a hell of a performance and defy all of, all of what we just mentioned. Um, but you know, 49ers have that advantage and they better make the most of it that they can. We were just talking about Debo, right? Bully ball, someone yep. who can punch you in the mouth, someone who can exhaust you for a full four quarters. And they got a number of guys on offense, uh, that can do that. Right. Absolutely. So, they're going to need that uh, in this game. Now, another thing is it's a marathon to play the Eagles. Yeah, it is. You can't let your guard down at all, because as we've seen, even if you're up on this team, I mean, you just you can't. You, you can't let them back in the game. And I saw I saw something today that said that Jalen hurts. Um, passer rating is higher. But I think like. Twenty points or something like that higher when he's losing when his his team is losing than when they're like tied or um up in the game isn't that crazy?
0: Guy's a winner. That's crazy. Steph, he's just yeah. an absolute winner. Like I I hate the Philadelphia Eagles, but I can't hate <laughs> Jalen Hurts because I respect everything that he does. The dude is just an absolute winner and sometimes you're just wired that way. I'm starting to feel the same way about our own quarterback mind you by the way before I get crucified. Guy's a gamer, you know. He, he's going out there and playing and there's, you know, a couple years difference in experience. Yeah. Why Jalen is probably where he is but I can tell you this much. You just mentioned about the, the the marathon versus a sprint. That third quarter shenanigans that we saw with Seattle, you do that against Philly you can kiss that W goodbye. I don't care if you're up 10, I don't care if you're up 17. That is a team that will take advantage of everything. I think Philadelphia yeah. is, is prone to turn the ball over a little bit more this year than they have in the past. And that it, 49ers might be opportunistic around that. Where I'm concerned is I don't see the 49ers put up points after turnovers at all. Like I, I, like, I don't like
1: true. field I like goals ain't winning
0: than. that game. Steph, you and I both know that, right? Like they need to, and they're going to have to put up 30. They're going to have to put up at least 30 to win the game. And that's a tall order, but same to be said for Philadelphia, right? Like I'm not just crucifying our 49ers. I can tell you that the Eagles are going to have to view us the same way. They're going to have to yeah. put up 30. They're going to have to get out ahead of the offense. They know what the back and forth is, is going to look like. I think the one thing that's pretty funny that's in our advantage is they actually never got to see the full game plan
1: Yeah, that we true. put
0: out. For the NFC Championship game, they didn't because it was scrapped the minute Josh Johnson had to walk out onto (laughs) that field, right? And then when he's gone, and you got a left-handed Purdy, like it's scrapped, like so you didn't get. I don't even know if we got through Kyle's first twenty-four. You know what I mean? For that, I
1: don't think for that
0: game. So, trust me, there's going to be a different offensive game plan for the Eagles than what we have. You know, you've seen consistently on tape this year, and it's been building up to this game. So, hey maybe you catch them asleep or catch them off guard with something they just haven't seen all season because they haven't actually played the scheme that you were looking to deploy against them in the previous season.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's also a, you know, different defensive coordinator for the Eagles this year as well. So I, you know, I think that's where a lot of the differences come from for this team. It's mostly like their secondary is not as, quote-unquote good as it was last year so i think kyle could potentially you know take advantage of that
0: he's gonna throw the ball a lot more than we want him to i bet he's gonna he's gonna air this ball out all game
1: yeah so that's what i worry about too because when he gets throw 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 that's how you get into those easy three and outs and then suddenly you're punting the ball back
0: and suddenly you're down 21 three right because (laughs) like and and then you do have yeah Football <laughs> football's just a funny game like that Tim, you know yeah
1: it's a chess match you know yep. it, it truly is um and so to just to go along with you know what everyone else is saying about the Eagles like yeah they have all these flaws and you could take advantage of this and that all that is true but their biggest strength is the fact that they can come from behind they can yep. win any way they need to against any type of opponent they need to in order to win that is their greatest strength and it is maybe the scariest strength of all you cannot uh underestimate that all right so yeah that's that's why i say it's it's going to be a marathon for the 49ers and and one that they have to stay focused on all game like i think because the 49ers have been waiting for this for so long and they need it i think a little bit more than the eagles do i think they're going to be ready and I'm, I'm like, I'm hyping myself up. You know, I am I want to be optimistic. So, yeah, I I think they have a fair shot to win this game. Um, but, yeah, clearly, obviously, we're going to talk about this game all week. It is at top of mind. Uh, but just to give our Week 12 one last bow, our uh, <laughs> Week 12 49K Player of the Week, as voted by you guys, is Christian McCaffrey. I voted mooney Ward,
0: okay, um,
1: but no one else voted for mooney Ward, so I was I that was crazy, but uh <laughs> christian
0: nominated him right I mean <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, I would have nominated him too if you didn't, so um yeah, we got we got those votes from McCaffrey and yeah, a guy they're gonna need on Sunday as of all the other guys we mentioned, so yeah, I mean, that's that's our show for today, Monday. Thank you so much for spending part of your Monday night evening with us. Uh, definitely appreciate it. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, not just my channel, but Weston's as well. Weston, plug your channel real quick. Let everyone know where they can find your content.
0: Yeah, find it on YouTube at We're Talking Football, um, on Instagram, Twitter, WTF Pod NFL. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the NFL, but I'm spending a lot of time partner up with Steph on her show and some others really just kind of focus in the back half of this year on, on our team, the, the 49ers. So Steph, as always, I appreciate you letting me tag along for an hour on Monday where we can have a, a little bit of fun. And as always, it's, it's go Niners. Don't let my talk of the Eagles sour any of that. It's always go Niners in this house.
1: Well, yeah, Monday is always a fun show. Can't wait for next Monday, and hopefully we'll be talking about yet another win uh, for that one. But for now, folks, have a good rest of your Monday night. Peace.